SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to hour number two of the morning after on this Tuesday. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens, alongside Kevin Walsh for the entirety of this second hour. Kev was here in the first hour and hour number two, which means the first two hours of the morning after on this Tuesday are officially the early after. In this second hour, we will go around the college sports landscape. Some college hoops that you need to know. Some more college football because we need Kevin's thoughts before we get to the national championship game. Now just six days away next Monday night, we will look at the Super Bowl race. Yes, the hunt for the Lombardi Trophy as we enter the regular season finale week in the National Football League as well. And then we round it out with the early lines mm. with Kevin Walsh as we get ready for week 18 and all the postseason positioning that is in play this upcoming weekend. But first we begin with college basketball. The latest AP poll was released yesterday afternoon. And unlike early in the year, we haven't seen a lot of change the last couple of weeks. In fact, the top seven spots in this latest AP poll remain the same. In fact, eight of the 10 spots in the top 10 remain the same. The only real movement, Arizona up one spot to number eight in the country. Auburn up two spots, ranked ninth now. And Iowa State, after suffering their first loss to Baylor over the weekend, only drops a couple of spots down to number 11. Baylor, the unanimous number one team in the country, but still 10-1 to 1 to win the national championship. Tied for the second shortest odds along with Duke. Purdue for now and then Gonzaga, the number four team in the country. The favorites right now at plus 700. So I said Purdue for now, number three in the country. In the latest hmm. AP poll released yesterday. It was Kevin Walsh's birthday also yesterday. And if you don't know this about old K-Dubs and the Walsh family, for whatever reason, they're not too high on the Boilermakers out of West Lafayette. So... Purdue number three in the country as of now, but after an upset loss by Wisconsin to Purdue last night inside Mackey Arena, yeah. Purdue won't stay number three in the country for long. Falling to a top 25 opponent in number 23, Wisconsin, 74-69 at home. But Kev, Purdue was a 12.5 point, 13 point yeah. favorite. Enter Johnny Davis. 37 points, 14 boards for the outstanding sophomore for the Wisconsin Badgers. I'm really trying to gauge how bad of a loss this is for Purdue. Because mm. Johnny Davis went out there and put up what pretty much everyone feels like was the best performance of a college basketball player this season when you consider final tallies and, of course, the location, the opponent of it all, right? If, they, if you look at Purdue, it's not like they don't have good wins this year, right? The North Carolina win at the time certainly felt good. The Nova win, you know, still stands up, right? The loss to Rutgers, though, not great, mm. right? I mean, is FSU what we thought FSU was going to be? It, 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 it varies for me. And why do I talk about that, though, truly again? Because, as Ben mentioned, Purdue is the same odds as Baylor and Duke. And is that really justified when you look at this game here against the Wisconsin? That's kind of the issue that I think you run into with the Boilermakers. But actually, where I think this game is a little more interesting, as much as, I mean, Purdue slander, who doesn't love it? 
It is the Wooden Award, right? Yeah. Certainly not enough people woke up to bet Johnny Davis yet for Player of the Year at 10 to 1. I mean, certainly should be the favorite at the end of that game. What is Drew Timmy still doing at 7 1? Didn't I tell you guys in the beginning of the year that he wasn't going to win this award? I mean, he's not winning this award. Like, not, like, I saw people yesterday give their top fives. Like, Drew Timmy, nowhere to be found. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here with the Johnny Davis 10 to 1? Uh, you bring up a great point because Drew Timmy right now, after the start of this season in Gonzaga, sure, number four in the country, Drew Timmy, nowhere in the early watch list of the Wooden Award through a lot of college basketball media members that will have a say in who wins that award. As we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after on this Tuesday. It is Ben Stevens and Kevin Walsh live with you in studio, and you are listening on Sirius XM Channel 159, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast, and all of our lovely radio affiliates looking at the college basketball landscape. An upset yesterday at Mackey Arena. Number 23, Wisconsin, goes into number three, Purdue, and gets the 74-69 victory outright, winning as 13 point underdogs Johnny Davis the man you see flexing his muscles on the graphic right there 37 points for Wisconsin 14 boards as well he has the fifth best odds right now to win the wooden award at 10 to 1 a lot of value EJ Liddell also another player out of the Big Ten Conference the forward for Ohio State the favorite right now on FanDuel at plus 500 one final point about Purdue here they've been a favorite in every game they've been a double digit favorite as they were last night in 12 of their 14 but they have covered just once in their last seven games and they nearly averaged 90 points per game 89.9 to be exact in the 11 games they played in the non-conference slate just above 71 points per game now in their three big 10 contests mm. and two of those three games kevin have ended in a loss for the boilers yeah again it- Look, Purdue's good. We know Purdue's good. And I gave Purdue their due early season. But I think there are some legitimate questions around them. Oh, by the way, Wisconsin has two losses this year. Johnny Davis missed one of those. So Wisconsin is very legitimate. I just wanted to add something, though, while we're looking through the Wooden Award race here. Caught my eye. Paolo Bancaro, plus 850. Wendell Moore Jr., 32-1. to The thing about college basketball, and, and Ben was right when he said this to me. I was like, hey, what are we doing here to Timmy over Chet Holmgren thing? This is Chet Holmgren's team. He's like, it's college basketball, a little different. And I think he was ultimately right about that. Thank you. Wendell Moore has kind of been the guy over Van Caro. Van Caro's had moments, look, no questions about it. But this is kind of been Wendell Moore Jr.'s team. 32-1, to some value. Wendell Moore Jr., one of the only players in college basketball averaging 15-5-5 in all of the country. Something to keep in mind on college football. Up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Less than a week away, only six days until a new or potentially the same national champion is crowned in college football. An SEC title game rematch this time for all the marbles. Alabama and Georgia next Monday night. Right here on the morning after right now on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. We are going to break that down. We being me, Ben Stevens, and Kevin Walsh both live in studio. Yes, it is six days away. Yes, we will talk about this game in full, even later on in this hour, and then the days leading up to Monday night as well. But this will be the last time that Kevin is on the show. 
ahead of the national championship game. And throughout the entirety of this college football season, Kevin and I have gone back and forth about some of the best on the college gridiron. We did Ben's top 10 because that was Kevin's idea. We got his reactions <laughs> to my slanderous takes about Notre Dame. So we will get his thoughts now on the CFP national championship between number one, Alabama, and number three, Georgia. Kev, as you well know, the dogs, a favorite once again against the Crimson Tide. Georgia laying three points. What did you make initially of that line? So I found out that I have a scorching take that mm. I I had an idea. I was like, ah, people probably won't agree with this. But I realized based on this line, no one is going to agree with me, probably yourself included. Okay. I was more impressed with Alabama's win over Cincinnati than Georgia's over Michigan. Whoa. Is that crazy to say? Because I don't think a lot of people seem to agree. here. And I'll tell you why. Okay. I know Georgia's defense is very good. They played a team in Michigan who was going to look to run the football. Yep. I thought Michigan would have more success, played over, and multiple Haskins touchdown scorer props. Unfortunately, that didn't work. Close. But... This the way Georgia Michigan played out. I'm not gonna like tell you like, oh, I didn't see a world that could happen. What are you gonna be a run first team against the best run defense in the country? So that's kind of my point there in terms of Georgia Michigan. Give the Bulldogs a world of credit. But for Alabama, we have had some legitimate questions, I feel like, around their defense this year. Mm -hmm. Good, not great. Great, not the best. Mm -hmm. To hold Cincy touchdownless. And by the way, you might say, Oh, but Michigan's touchdown was in garbage time. Since he could have had a garbage time touchdown, Desmond Ritter didn't get benched. Michigan went to their you know, freshman J.J. McCarthy to let him go spin it around, right? Desmond Ritter had thrown for multiple touchdown passes, I believe, in every single game except one this season. Alabama allowed Mercer to throw multiple touchdown passes against them. Alabama holding that team to six, dominating the play clock like they did, letting Brian Robinson Jr. go for 200, and then in the red zone saying, yeah, but it's still the Bryce Young show because that's where we can operate and trust him, and for him to have three touchdown passes. and the, So why do I say all of this, of course, then, right. Ben? I know what that line tells me. Yeah. It tells me Georgia's the side. I disagree. I think Alabama's the better football team. Now, let me agree with you here, in essence, because... I think we have seen Alabama play absolutely exceptional football in their last two outings. In the SEC championship game, yeah. executing a game plan to perfection against the Georgia defense that we didn't think three touchdowns would potentially be scored on, mm -hmm. let alone 41 points. And then when that was the thought heading into the college football playoff semifinal of how would Bryce Young, the Heisman winner, without John Mechie the third, and then Jamison Williams, how would they attack the fantastic defensive secondary of the Bearcats with Sauce Gardner on one side and Kobe Bryant on the other? And then Alabama said, yeah, screw that. We don't need to do that. We're going to run the football. We have found something that we like. We can trust our offensive line again. And although they were only averaging 147 yards per game on the ground, which still seems like a lot, but was the least amount on average in the 15 years of Nick Saban at Alabama, they run the ball for 300 yards as a team. So in terms of executing a game plan to perfection based on what the opponent has given you in trying to find some of those advantages yeah in that respect Alabama might have been the more impressive team because Georgia did exactly what we knew Georgia was going to do like if Georgia was going to be that dominant team once again that we had seen all year long in a game where it's a pretty much a Spider-Man meme with Michigan Georgia played that game 
better. And they played it to a T as well. But it was how we thought that game was going to go. It's how we all predicted that game would look. Whatever side would win and cover would probably be able to play from a positive game script out in front and rely on the defense. Georgia just did that a ton better than Michigan did. And Georgia reminded us why they were the number one team unanimously for the final two and a half months of the college football season. But in terms of executing a game plan, I think you might have to give the credit and some of that creativity mm. to Bill O'Brien and Alabama. So now, Kev, for the second time this year, for only the third time in the past five years, and for the fourth time in the past 12 years, Alabama is an underdog once again. So, like I mentioned, six days until we get to the national championship game, where do you believe this line goes? Oh, that's such a good question. Thank so, you. I tried to get it. I mean, look, I, here's the thing is the answer is actually a little obvious because plus three on Bama is minus 120. You can read juice a little bit there. Mm. We're working closer to two and a half than three and a half. And that makes all the sense in the world. They're not going to be able to hang three and a half. I'm honestly still surprised that they're able to hang this three. I think what's also really interesting, though, is you look at the money line here on Georgia at minus 140. That is, to me, very palatable juice if you're a Bulldog backer. A full field goal spread and only to be paying minus 140, I don't think is that bad at all. Just trying to find an example here. Vikings, Bears, Packers, Lions. Couple of games with two and a half point favorites there. Minus 142 juice. Minimal difference, but again, a field goal is a winner. Field goal is not even a winner here yeah. on Georgia. So I, again, if you're someone who likes the Bulldogs, I think you're getting a fair shake in terms of the actual money line number. But again, like Ben... Is people are like, oh, you have time to see it? Okay, what's Kirby gonna do? Get a new secondary? I I just like that. Like, unless you don't think Bryce Young is as good as he is, and again, I I thought since he had a really good chance to cover against Bama for all of the hey, remember Bama's build up to the SEC title game? They're playing really bad football here. But again, what they did against Cincinnati mm. won me over. Yeah, absolutely so, because what they did against Cincinnati wasn't necessarily what we predicted they were going to do. We did not think that Brian Robinson Jr. would run the ball 26 times for 204 yards, yet that's what Alabama showed us on the opening offensive possession of that game when they ran the ball 10 straight times and then capped it off with the Heisman winner throwing a touchdown. That is where Alabama can succeed. Now, Georgia, the second best rushing defense in the country, only behind Wisconsin. The top scoring defense in the country is the Georgia Bulldogs. Can they stand a little bit taller than the 41 points they gave up in that SEC title game in which Bryce Young threw the ball for 424 yards and three touchdowns? That will be the question. Here's my biggest key for the difference that we might see in the national championship as opposed to the SEC title game. The reason we didn't feel great about Alabama after the quadruple overtime effort in the Iron Bowl to end out the regular season against Auburn was because the Tigers defensive line got to Bryce Young. They applied pressure against a shaky Alabama offensive front. Then we thought, oh my God, against Jordan Davis mm. and everybody there? How are they going to stand up against Georgia? Alabama played his best offensive game from an offensive line perspective, and Georgia had zero sacks as the team with the 11th best sack percentage in the country. So as you can see, some props already out on the FanDuel Sportsbook, including 
passing yards props. And Bryce Young's number is ridiculously high at 313.5. Sure, he had 424 in the SEC championship game, but Kev, that prop correlates to what I think if Georgia can have success and keep Bryce Young under, that would certainly favor the Bulldogs. Yeah, 100%. But again, at the end of the day, oh, Kirby Smart has time to adjust. And what does Nick Saban have the time to do? Because here's the thing, right? They go back, they drop a zillion people back, and they make Bama run. And Brian Robinson Jr. just put 204 up on a very competent, I mean, competent, a very good Cincinnati defense. I mean, what am I even doing here slandering Cincinnati still? We don't have to do that anymore. So that's why I think the Brian Robinson Jr. rushing prop battle will be really interesting. And his was only 85 and a half in that Cotton Bowl in the first CFP semifinal. He went over that with like a minute and a half left in the first half. We go back to the <laughs> NFL coming up next year on the morning end. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. Week number 18. In the NFL regular season, the final week of the longest regular season we have ever seen in NFL history. There are postseason implications across the board this weekend. Still a couple of teams that need to clinch a postseason berth in both conferences. And of course, playoff positioning will be front and center. So right now, as we enter the final week of the regular season, it is time to look at where the Super Bowl odds stand for the best teams in the NFL. We will do that right here, right now, on a Tuesday program on the morning after. It's Ben Stevens and Kevin Walsh here with you live in our frigid sports grid studios. And you are listening on Sirius XM channel 159. So to look at where things stand right now, we need to go back to where things were entering the season to see where the value and where the market has moved. Get what we're gonna do. It's time for market movers. You need some heat? How about that market movers stinger? All right, so here's how things are going to work right here in this market movers segment. We are taking the seven best odds right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The seven teams with the shortest odds to hoist the Lombardi Trophy come the middle of February at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Kevin Walsh and I, probably not in attendance for the actual Super Bowl game, but maybe there in the City of Angels earlier on. So we'll do that by looking at where these teams stood. The seven of them before the season got underway. The initial odds you will see, August 30th, the completion of the preseason, about eight days out until the regular season got underway in 2021. So the preseason favorites, the Kansas City Chiefs at plus 500. The Kansas City Chiefs currently still plus 500. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the second shortest odds at plus 650. Now a dollar behind that at plus 750. The third best odds currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Buffalo and Green Bay were tied for the third best odds entering the year at 12 to 1. Now Green Bay is the favorite at plus 380. Buffalo plus 800. The Rams plus 950 right now, 15 to 1 before the season got underway. And then both Tennessee and Dallas 
Their odds cut by more than half right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The Titans 25 to 1 before the year got underway, now 12 to 1. Dallas 30 to 1 before the year got underway, now also 12 to 1. So Kevin Walsh makes sense of this beautiful market movers graphic for me. Makes sense of it. That's not an easy thing to do. But that's but why we trust you. I'll do my best. So I think really you talk about what stands out right away. Buffalo. Has Buffalo impressed to a level where you would say, man, they're way better than I thought they were going to be? I would say no. Mm. How they dropped down the way that they did. We know they're going to the postseason and a heavy, heavy favorite to win their division. So I think you have to kind of factor that in for almost all of these numbers where, okay, these teams have kind of given us confirmation of some very important things and therefore their numbers have dropped down really the only team if I'm not mistaken is Tampa Bay who's fallen back and is that maybe the most noteworthy thing here in market movers and again another layer of justification for my feeling genuinely as an Eagles fan that the team they're best off seeing in the opening round is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers what? <laughs> the Eagles, I think, are best suited to play the Bucs in the wild card round. I think Tampa is that vulnerable right now. Be- All right, we'll get into that in just a moment. But here's what I will say about the great point you bring up about the Buccaneers. You will see all of these seven teams, and a lot of them with substantial market movement in their favor because predicting a Super Bowl champion before the year gets underway mm-hmm. is a lot harder to do than after 17 weeks of a sample size in the NFL. So that's why Dallas has their odds cut by 18 bucks from 30 to 1 to plus 1200 right now. The Bucks themselves a dollar of movement against them because Tampa no longer the favorite in the NFC. They certainly will not be the number 1 overall seed. And that is why you see this market movement working against them from where things stood in the preseason. So let's talk about the correlated market of this idea, right? And we always stress that whenever you look at a futures market, whether it's individual or team, whether it's for the entire whole thing or maybe a division or conference marketplace, correlate that to others that you can use the predictive models to try to find your value. So when you look at the number one seeds right now, It'll be Green Bay in the NFC. That's why they are a plus 180 favorite to win the conference championship there. And the favorites right now by more than a dollar to win the Super Bowl at plus 380. Which, to me then, presents a very fascinating conversation about the Tennessee Titans. Because right now, they are tied for the sixth best price to win the Super Bowl on the FanDuel Sportsbook at 12-1. to They have the third best odds to win the AFC championship on FanDuel at plus 450 and they will be the number one overall seed more than likely as a 10 and a half point favorite with a win against the Houston Texans this weekend so Kev the Tennessee Titans are getting healthier AJ Brown should be back in the fold by the time we get to the postseason and of course the best running back in all of football not named Jonathan Taylor Derrick Henry if he is healthy and Mm -hmm. we're talking playoff football at home in Tennessee. No, it's not the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field or the Spins Grizz studio on this Tuesday, (laughs) but if they can control the game and run the football at Derrick Henry come late January, early February, I think that sets up pretty well for Tennessee. Do you think there's value on the Titans? Here's how I know there's value on the Tennessee Titans. Mm. They have the same number as the Dallas Cowboys, Mm. and there's a couple of things wrong with that. One, Dallas coached by Mike McCarthy. (laughs) That's obviously a problem. Let's pause right there for a second. You're Dallas. Mike McCarthy gets fired from Green Bay. Mm. 
Aaron Rodgers in year one with a rookie head coach, 13-3, and three, trip to the conference championship. You say, eh, probably still wasn't Mike's fault. Let me bring him in. Then in year two of the LaFleur-Rodgers combo, Rodgers throws roughly 700 touchdowns and negative 40 interceptions somehow. And they go as the one seed, 13-3 and three again, back to the conference championship. Oh, and would you look at that? 13-3 and three again, one seed, one game away from being 100% conference championship rate with, of course, Mike McCarthy gone. Mm. Dallas is not legitimate with Mike McCarthy there, but let's say you believe in Dallas. Here's what you would never believe, is that Dallas's road to making the Super Bowl is as easy as the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans will need to win one home game off of a bye to be one game away at home from going to the Super Bowl. Dallas in the opening round is going to host the Cardinals who just beat them in Dallas yeah. and then go to Lambeau? Oh, that sounds horrible. And even if they miraculously win that game, they'll be lucky to be there, play Tampa. They already lost to them. The Rams, another road game for the Cowboys. The paths for these teams aren't even comparable yeah. and the truth of it is 12 to 1 prices going to the Super Bowl are easily hedgeable they really are what's the money line on the Super Bowl favorite let's say the Titans or the Cowboys were to be dogs in the football game the favorite whomever they were to meet on the other side would be no bigger than minus 250 money line yeah your hedge opportunities would be so wonderful you'd never have more fun watching a Super Bowl that you actually don't need to worry about because you've already hedged the Titans are so much of a better bet than the Dallas Cowboys it almost hurts my brain and that is why the value is tremendous right now on Tennessee. Sure, you might have your questions about Ryan Tannehill. And can the Titans offense outscore the Chiefs in a game or outduel the Buffalo Bills? Whatever it might be. Maybe they've done it already this year as an underdog, even if they're at home as an underdog. You have to feel pretty good about Tennessee and again if you get King Henry back and you get a healthy AJ Brown that makes that offense so much more dynamic and then maybe if Julio Jones can deal with some of those hamstring injuries this Titans team is going to be reckoned with and again the value on them as the number one overall seed is quite frankly ridiculous right now at both 12 to 1 to win the Super Bowl and if you want to go back one step plus 450 to win the AFC Championship as things stand right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So, Kev, you can round this out right yeah. now while either describing why you think the Eagles have a shot against the Bucs or any other point you want to make. Well, no, listen, look, the Eagles clearly have a shot against the Bucs because the Bucs are broken. The reason that they let Antonio Brown come back with the vaccination card debacle is because they need Antonio Brown. Yep. That, that's just the truth about Tampa Bay, right? But also, like, if you want to do, like, early lines, and I know we'll do that, but, like, Tampa Bay, I don't know if they're going to play people as much as the line suggests in the last week of the season. Let's remove all that. One more point on Tennessee. Here's And it's just a, a through-and-through question. My belief is the Bengals won't play Burrow this week against Cleveland, mm. and then I think that that would probably set them up to lose the football game. The Bills, I think, handle their business. Chiefs, I think, handle their business. What does that mean? I believe you'll get the Chiefs as the two and the Bills at the three. For the Tennessee Titans at 12-1, to 1, right? Or even if we shift off of the Super Bowl, Ben, and you allow me to go back to the AFC conference odds, right? I will. The Chiefs are at plus 210. The Bills are plus 350. The Titans are plus 450. Certainly, right? 
the Titans have to jump Buffalo if the Bills are then favored to play the Chiefs in the second round? Like you Again, we talk about getting the best of the numbers. The Titans' conference odds and, and, of course, Super Bowl odds might shrink in a considerable way simply if the favorites hold in Week 18. That's value. That's so well said. Truly, we're not talking about what happens by the time we get to late January entering the AFC Championship game. We're talking about right now, and I agree with Kevin. The Titans have had their odds slashed in the last two weeks, let alone from where they were in the preseason. And I think after we see the Week 18 results, it's going to be more of that realization of the seven teams we still have playing in the Tennessee Titans earning that buy and to speak to Kevin's point since he's odds to win the AFC behind New England right now so that only helps the Tennessee Titans as things stand early lines up next sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com One last chance for romance in the NFL in this regular season. Week 18 is on deck, and we start to break that down by looking at the early lines here on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens alongside Kevin Walsh, one of the co-hosts of the early line each and every weekday morning from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern time with Donnie Wrightside. So they host the early line. We look at the early lines here on the morning after, which when the early line is here, it's the early after. So many things to know. So many programs to be a part of here on the Spizz. And some lines to take advantage of entering week number 18 in the NFL. The regular season finale gets underway with a doubleheader on Saturday. Yes, two games on Saturday that aren't as significant for clinching a berth into the postseason but could have a huge factor in playoff positioning so we begin with the game in the AFC the first game up on our Saturday docket around a 4 30 p.m eastern time kick out in Denver Colorado the Broncos hosting their divisional foes in the Kansas City Chiefs and right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook the Chiefs a double digit favorite laying 10 mm -hmm. points on the road the over under is 44 so Kev here is what is at stake we just discussed it slightly as we were breaking down the Super Bowl odds and the AFC championship odds and why there's a ton of value on the Tennessee Titans because the Titans are on the direct path to be the number one overall seed in the AFC. Kansas City still needs to win this game, though, against the Denver Broncos to make sure they maintain that number two seed in the AFC because you want your first two games at home in the postseason. So a 10-point spread. KC expected to play their starters at least for the early going as they build up that lead. But what do you think we will see in the Mile High City on Saturday? Well, I think, so this is one that's, it's tough to get that read on because the Chiefs go first. So the Kansas City can't lose this game. Like, nah, I guess it didn't matter anyway. You don't know what the Titans are going to do. Right. At the end of the day, they have already lost to the Houston Texans. At the end of the day, it is on the road for the Tennessee Titans. So in, in the singular vacuum that is this game, you know, the larger point I've made, maybe I'll make again during this segment here, is I think I'd be very cautious with some of these big favorites mm. here. But the Kansas City Chiefs need to handle their business here 
against the Denver Broncos. It's an absolute must. I look at what I got last week from Denver. Again, it's a spot where I maybe come away with it, Ben, saying I need to be cautious about laying 10 with the Chiefs. I'm not looking to grab 10 with Denver whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely so. And Denver in their last two games as an underdog, they have not covered against that number, including a game against KC earlier in the month of December in which the Chiefs won as an eight and a half point favorite at home inside Arrowhead by a final score of 22 to nine. Those nine points, the Broncos have struggled to score offensively. They have the most under still in all of the NFL. 12 of the 16 games for the Broncos have hit the under this year. Meanwhile, KC has gone over in four straight games because they've scored at least 31 points in their last four they are averaging 37.3 points per game so again some of these games as we have seen and as we have discussed especially with lofty double digit spreads or more than a touchdown if you want to back the favorite maybe look to the first half because if Kansas City's up by 14 midway through the third Patrick Mahomes is coming out of that football game and Chad Henney and Derek Gregor are going to run the ball come down the Denver Broncos throats until they can get out of mile high with a win so maybe you look at some first half lines here as it pertains to some of the bigger spreads that still have an impact on playoff positioning because the Chiefs can't lose this game or they might find themselves in the number four spot in the AFC and they still want to win because they lead off the entire weekend in week number 18 and make the Tennessee Titans go on the road and beat the Houston Texans again Tennessee a 10 and a half point favorite but the Texans seven and eight against the number as an underdog so far this year so that mm -hmm. is the first game on Saturday the Kansas City Chiefs in Denver taking on the Broncos now you heard Kevin Walsh just about 10-15 minutes ago say that the Philadelphia Eagles best shot of winning a postseason game is against the reigning Super Bowl champions in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers we'll discuss that in a little bit but first up yeah. to end out the regular season Philly hosts Dallas now this line has already moved like crazy mm -hmm. because Philly doesn't really need to do much in this game the fate is not in their hands necessarily the Cowboys opened as a two and a half point favorite now it stands at seven in favor of Dallas on the road laying a touchdown the over under 42 in a hook Kevin do you agree with that line movement. Yeah, I mean, look, Dallas, if everyone's fully healthy, full go, favored in Philly, probably right by, what, three, two and a half, kind of depends what they do with the number. Then you factor in, oh, the Eagles might not play people. You start to shift the number. Then they have COVID. Okay, now you're at the full seven. The nice thing, though, one of my favorite things to do in all of sports betting is the opportunity to talk out a line talk out a number and I had the opportunity to do this a little bit with Donnie this morning so I can kind of save you some of that full process while give you the end results over 42 and a half feels like one of the most vulnerable numbers on the board so Dallas says that they're going to play full guys okay so Dak CeeDee Lamb Zeke Pollard Cooper are going to play basically a backup birds defense mm. who they hung 44 on when they were healthy uh, there was a pick six involved you get the point though so the Dallas Cowboys, I think, could approach 30 in this game, if not expect them to approach 30 in the game. The Eagles aren't going to have hurts and certainly some competent players. I understand all of that. But Gardner Minshew is a legitimate quarterback in the NFL. This isn't Ian Book. This isn't Jake Fromm. This isn't Mike Glennon. Mm. The fact that both of those are Giants is tough for <laughs> Giants fans. All, all in all, but I, I think 42, and genuinely, if the if the Dallas Cowboys are going to play full starters here, yeah. this total might be a full touchdown wrong. 
And here's the thing about where Dallas stands right now. They are favored by a touchdown on the road against the Eagles. If with the odds indicating it, Dallas wins that game, they still need some help to move up the standings. They would need a loss from the Rams as a five-point favorite to the Niners. Probably more likely than the Bucs losing as a nine-point favorite right now to the Carolina Panthers. But if it all goes chalk, Dallas will be in that number four spot in the NFC, probably with a rematch against the Arizona Cardinals. The reason the Eagles aren't so interested in this game, they clinched their postseason berth last week. They will move to number six if the Niners lose, but they don't really dictate if the Niners lose that football game to the Rams. They will stay at number seven in the NFC playoff picture if the Niners beat the Rams in that regular season finale. So not much at stake, but Kevin brings up a great point. Sure, the Cowboys can put up a lot of points, but Gardner Mitchell on the other side has shown us that he's a good and competent quarterback in the NFL at home, a divisional rival to end out your regular season. The Eagles hate the Cowboys. The Cowboys hate the Birds in Philly on a Saturday night. Hmm. You're going to let the link get a little crazy? Whew. Seven points, a big number for that Saturday night cap, the second of two to start Week number 18 on a Saturday. So, Kev, we mentioned it. The Eagles there probably locked in to either six or seven based on what happens with the Niners and the Rams. And we broke down the Niners and the Rams earlier and how it's not just an easy win, maybe not a cover, but not just an easy win for the Rams as a five-point home favorite against the Niners. But if the Rams do win, that opens the door for the New Orleans Saints. Now, the Saints have struggled here mightily mm. down the stretch, but... In their final regular season game of the year, the Saints on the road in Hotlanta, a four and a half point favorite against the Dirty Birds. The over under is 40 and a half. I'll talk about the total in a minute, but do you think New Orleans has a good shot of going on the road and beating Atlanta to round out the regular season? They have a great chance because the game is in Atlanta. And this is not great for Falcons fans. So uh, eight home games this year. This will be the eighth. One of them, though, was in London. So this was going to be your seventh game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The Falcons hold a horrifying 0-6 mm. record against the spread at home. Yikes. They've actually only won one of those games. It was against Tim Boyle and the Detroit Lions as a 7.5-point favorite. They won the game by four, mm. and the Detroit Lions had the ball at the Atlanta nine-yard line with 30 seconds left to go win the game. The Falcons at home have been unforgivable this year. Genuinely the worst in the sport. Like, that's, it's impossible how bad they are. The Jags have covered games at home, folks. What are we even doing here with the Atlanta Falcons? If the Saints don't win this game, I I will be stunned. If the Saints don't win this game, how big is Taysom Hill's contract extension? I assume he's going to be higher, like, bet more than Mahomes. Uh, <laughs> like, really, like, what does go on, though, actually? Here's why Sean Payton, sorry, but Sean Payton, how you do this is beyond me. I asked genuinely after Monday night football against the Dolphins yeah. if you were on the hot seat and now I think you would finish like top five on a coach of the year ballot for me if you go to the postseason I don't know how Sean Payton does this he, it is it is unbelievable the way that they just find ways to figure it out despite just some absolutely horrible 
quarterback play. That's why they're making a movie about Sean Payton starring Kevin James. How has anyone watched that? <laughs> no, for real, though. I Listen, know. I like adore Kevin James. Great name. Queens. King of Queens. Yeah, I love to see that. Yeah. How am I supposed to watch you be Sean Payton and take that serious? I don't know if you're supposed to take it seriously, mm. which might be the weird line it walks. I don't know. Did you see American Underdog starring Kurt Warner? <sighs> Well, he's not, is he in it? He's no, probably like I don't in think it so, in like, no. like a fan of the crowd cameo, yeah. Stan Lee style. I didn't see it. I'm not going to see it. Me neither. All right. So as we focus on this game, Kevin brings us up, up, up a great point about the Atlanta Falcons and their struggles at home. The Saints on the road, five and three against the number. And the Falcons have also struggled mightily as an underdog this year. 10 of their 16 games for Atlanta booked as a dog. Three, six, and one against the number, not covering by an average margin of about five points per game. I said I was going to focus on that over-under. Now, the total for this game is the lowest all year for Atlanta, but they have gone under in seven of their last eight games. Only three of those unders, though, under this total. The Saints have gone under in six straight games, five of the six under this number because the Saints' offense ain't great right now certainly not all that great in 40 and a half i could see the saints winning this game as they are predicted to do 17 to 10 as they ride into the postseason so kevin again we've talked a lot about chalk and often chalk doesn't happen even when you expect it to mm -hmm. to round out a regular season but if chalk happens here in the nfc wild card race mm -hmm. and you have the rams knock off the niners to claim the nfc west divisional title eliminated san francisco from postseason contention if the Saints win, which, again, they are favored to do. Wouldn't you then look at the Saints in the season specials market to make the NFC playoffs as a wild card team at plus 115 right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook? Yeah, absolutely. And, in fact, this number was a little mispriced earlier in the week at plus 160 because, mm. really, this is just operates as a money line parlay on the Rams and the Saints, which is now plus 111, so you're getting a 4.4 cents of value, which is fine. You take that where you can with that plus 115. You know the New Orleans number that intrigues me. I told you about it during the break, though. 55 the one to win the NFC. Not about them winning the NFC. It's about them winning one game. It's one game against the Rams. It's a game against the Rams where I'm really not stunned if Matthew Stafford spots them a seven-point lead, which is such an indictment on Stafford. I should not be talking about Matt Stafford losing games to Trey Lance and Matt Stafford losing games to Taysom Hill, and yet here I am. Yep. Well, why? Matthew Stafford has thrown seven interceptions in his last three games. He has thrown 12 interceptions in the last eight games for the LA Rams. Leaves a lot to be desired entering the postseason. We have talked about value across the marketplace at the top of both conferences and how it relates to the Super Bowl. We do that one final time about the Tennessee Titans coming up next year on The Grid. Stay with us on Sports Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our second hour here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens, who has been joined by Kevin Walsh for the first two hours of the morning after on this Tuesday, which have been the early after. But before Kevin goes, all bundled up and on his merry way, we talk about value once again. And that value being on the number one seed, most likely, in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans. Can the Titans be a legitimate contender to win the conference crown? We talk about that value right now in Buy or Sell.
So, Kev, the Titans right now, the third. Oh, Kevin, you look. Where are you going after this? The Green Bay? I mean, I no, I'm going to actually stay here. And yeah. this is going to be the appropriate attire. Yeah. It is. You want to buy or sell? Buy a scarf, buy a coat, buy another coat, a hat, a second hat. I mean, an extra pair of pants, folks. I mean, unbelievable scenes. It is one of the coldest days in New York City. And for whatever reason, encased in this studio in our Midtown Manhattan area, it is just like blowing breezes in here. And it is freezing. And we are freezing. But... Are the Titans going to be hot Whoa. entering the postseason with some value as the number one overall seed, but yet the third best odds to win the AFC title at plus 450? It reminds me of Hot or Not oh. on the early line, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. 7 to 9 p.m.? On it. I don't know what time, dude. It is cold. What it is. You know what it is, dog. I can't even think right now. I spilled coffee on myself this morning. Probably oh, felt good. No, oh. iced coffee. That's oh. another issue I'm running through here, dog. But I look like a child. I had to clean it up, though. We were great. Look, at the end of the day, I can kill as much time as I want on this segment and still give you an answer because you know the answer. You yes. know it's hot. The Titans' value is undeniable. Also, I like a lot of the whole, well, if Henry comes... Henry might play this week. Like, that's Derrick Henry, dog. And they're getting a bye. What are we even doing here? You knew I was slipping a dog in over yeah. the two-hour window, man. Look, all I know is that there's some value on there. Like, I'm, like, I threw the gloves on. Like, no. did they think this was a joke out here, man? No. But, yeah, look, that's the scene. That's the deal. I need to get that jacket on myself. It is freezing, and I'm here for another hour. Kevin Walsh, thank you so much. Happy hour on TMA on the other side of the break. Dispensing little pearls of sports.